0: what the hell's going on out here it's a lot of fun keep it fun hello everybody welcome to the uk packers podcast and as usual i'm your host that's the diddy nfl on twitter and of course follow the group at uk packers and what a week Uh, i'm on youtube now YouTube.com forward slash UKPackers. So later on in this episode, I talk about David Bakhtiari. And in fact, to talk about the issue with David Bakhtiari. Um, So if you want to see me in action, uh, and there's some added videos and some extra edits, I actually got the video out first, which is pretty rare to get the video out. So the audio is different. It's in a different part of the studio. This is the audio for the podcast. And the other one is in the, I'm not boring, you know, Uh, for the video. So it's a different one or whatever so slightly more studio e studio e it's a word um so yeah that's over there so if you want to see the video and get the benefit of the graphics and extra videos added in on top of the video if you know what i mean it's inception um of the podcasting well then go check that out this podcast here has some extra bits as well so this is sort of emmanuel sanders and Devin Funches, I wanted to get into the Devin Funches stuff so we've three new Patreons Patreons? patrons on patreon.com forward slash UK Packers now again lads, ladies I'll say it, um, really appreciate any help I just give and I love when you guys reach out and message me uh, and we have the chats on it and you wouldn't believe how impactful it is when you do it and when you donate as well to try uh, help with the cost, it's great and for your uh, wearing pleasure after six months I literally take all of your money and buy you a t-shirt and pay for the postage and send it out. And if you continue to donate after that, uh, well, then we thank you. That's enough of that plug. Uh, right, so Emmanuel Sanders. Apparently, there's uh, stuff going around online that he's not a real man because he doesn't like snow. Um. So I thought I'd address it because people in Green Bay, cold weather. Now, I've been to a cold weather game in Green Bay. On the TV, it looks really, really romantic and... Uh, as in, in a sporting fashion and also in a romantic romantic fashion um and it looks sexy you know and it looks great and you're sitting there and you get snowed on and you're drinking a beer and you take a top off and you've got some lettering on you okay in reality freezing they say freezing the balls off a brass monkey now that's not actually a monkey's balls that referred to uh, it's a shipping analogy and you know a monkey was a little triangular shaped thing that held the cannonballs and if it froze enough, the balls would come out the bottom and they'd roll all over the deck. That is freezing the balls off of Prowse Monkey. Um, so yes, it would do that, Aaron. It was insane because the seats in Lambo are metal um, and when you're sitting on them, if you don't have that cushion and by all, Lord, Lambeth, Jesus, get the cushion. Uh, well, then you freeze your arse off, basically. OK, and what happened with me was, is we were there and I was watching the game and I was really, in- look, I enjoyed it. All right. I've been to Lambo many times. And um, so I was sitting there enjoying the cold weather because the last couple of times I actually got sunburned and only that photographic evidence of a big red tomato face at Lambo. Well, then you would assume that I'm off having an affair with a Spanish person. OK, some Spanish lady. But anyway, I digress. Um, so, yeah, a cold weather game. So I was sitting there. Uh, all was going well. It's kind of hard to focus on the game. We're trying to stave off the cold. And then I got a mild leg quiver. Only mild. Uh, Started to bounce a little bit. And I thought, okay, feeling the cold now a little bit. It hasn't got above zero uh, this whole time. And it's uncomfortable slightly. And I'm starting to focus less on the game. And my eyes hurt. And then... The shiver went right up my legs until I became a vibrating mess. And that's what happens when you go to a cold game in Lambeau. So Emmanuel Sanders says on the Rich Eisen show uh, about the weather. Now, not to get it twisted, this is what he said. Yeah, I just... You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers because that's greatness as well. But it's just green bay, that cold weather, Rich. I wasn't trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to do it, you know. I, I'm like- so quite clearly joking. And of course, uh it's been blown up that he's really chose his future based on some snowflakes. So some snowflakes decided to make more out of snowflakes, basically. Um. So yeah, look, the guy's taking the piss, obviously. All right. Apparently, uh, the real truth of it is the Packers offered him a three-year deal. He didn't want a deal that long, um. And also, he has family down south. He goes on with that. Uh, that's uh Rich Eisen. He goes on with Rich Eisen to explain that he's, you know, he's family in the south that they could drive to the games. He's have his family around, um. So monetarily, uh, length of contract, boys. Location, uh, proximity to family, and of course, playing in a dome was going to impact you. Um, and that's you know he's not choosing between uh, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and they're a past first, first offense. And you know if you again you could debate that right and go into Alvin Kamara and all the rest. But if you look at Green Bay and look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers and look at what they're doing with Aaron Jones and everything else, well then you might proffer well fair enough they're kind of a read option offense now maybe. Um, and you'd look at the amount of touchdowns that Aaron Jones pulled in versus from the pass or whatever. Right, now we know the reasons for those. But from an outsider, from him looking in, he'd look at all those options. So is the narrative true that it's all to do with snow? No, of course it's not. But of course, people are going to get down that road. And anybody dogging him about going to the Saints? What are you on about? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know you love your team and all, but also... Who cares? So let me talk a little bit um, about Devin Funches. Before I get there, uh, Gmo's gone. I know. Uh, get out the violins and all. I, again, I don't understand the Geronimo Allison hate. Someone released a sort of really soppy video um, with sad music. And of course, makes it far worse. And he pulled in some nice passes for us. And he did a job. And he was serviceable enough. And I didn't understand the hate of him. And I thought that maybe he might be able to make a step up. Got injured, tough year for him. Out he goes. That's just the way it goes. They got him for a bargain basement as well. He went to the lines. So let's talk about Devin Funches, right? So if you were to believe uh, Packers' Twitter or any, any writer, most of the articles that I've read about him have kind of said the same thing. This is what they're saying, right? He's not a number two by any means, he's slow, uh, runs bad routes. He uh, is injury prone. What else did I say? Yeah, he fumbles all the time. He drops the ball constantly, right? So this was a previously, uh, And I was going to say a former second-round draft pick. He's still a second-round draft pick, right? He hasn't been redrafted into something different. He was a second-round draft pick at the time. Now, at that time, people said that was a little bit too high and they were reaching, right? Because when you look at his size, the dude is massive Uh, but I kind of wanted to park as I do everything that I've read on Twitter right and I know the wisdom that's on there okay and I do feel that if the Packers front office were all to be sacked in the morning they could be ably replaced by the Twitter addy without a doubt Um, but barring that and we'll have to trundle on with the people who've been doing it for decades I'm sorry right we're gonna have to just settle for all of these people that have been doing it for their entire adult lives uh, and just, you know, put up with them. So I decided to park everything that I read on on Twitter and try and make my own mind up. Now, I've looked at highlight reels, which is probably the worst thing you can do because they're highlight reels, not low-light reels. So you're going to see certain things. but And I'll give you a list of stuff that I saw from those highlight reels, right? Again, limited info that you can glean from these. But a really good resource that you can go to. And again, there's a bit of like, you know, a person goes to the garage to get their blue car and it's not available. So they get the red one and then they convince themselves that the red car is actually better than the blue. You know, the red sets it off even better. And you kind of convince yourself because that's what you settled for. Now, the Colts sign them to a $10 million deal at the time. Let's go and see what the Colts said about him at that time because remember he went out for the Colts uh, three catches for 32 yards broke his collarbone Um, and I believe he came down with that catch where he broke his collarbone by the way talk about effort Um, and he was out for the rest of the year they tried to bring him back and put him on the um, put him into practice uh, and they got scans done but it didn't work out because it didn't heal fast enough now that's where I'm going to knock down one of these other caveats What you'll read out there is that, oh, you know, he gets injured and all that. He doesn't. He even says himself that he doesn't get injured a whole lot. And I have the quote here. This is what he said at the time. I've never been hurt. I've been trying since I got hurt to get back on the field. It's not a good process. You can't control a bone. It heals when it wants to heal. This is the longest I've been out of football. I worked so hard to come in and help the team and try to prove myself. And going down in the first game, it was drastic. But it's life. And you've got to live and keep on fighting. So this is a guy fighting spirit. Unfortunately, he goes down in his first game. He's not injury prone. Uh, he was just there for that whole season. So to me, not a whole lot has changed, has it? Since he was mooted to come in on a big money deal to the Colts. So whatever they were saying about him surely still rings true. Now, what you will hear from the media is, is that he's slow, bad routes, bad routes. He's definitely just a number three, even if he can make the squad before he gets thrown out on his face. Um, And that Alan Lazard is the definite number two. This guy, a former second round pick uh, on a big money deal, was criticised for dropping the ball, but then you have to look at who was throwing on the ball and how accurate they were and when was he throwing the ball. It's very important too, like Mason Crosby was dogged over having the yips, right? And that he was missing lows. But when I deep dived onto that, Deep Dove, Um, when I looked into it, he was being asked to kick from ridiculous distances. So has Devin Funches at times been asked to do some impossible stuff and catch balls in traffic? If you look at his highlight reels, an awful lot of those balls are in tight coverage. I can tell you one of two things. He can not get separation, number one, which is another criticism that they have of him. Um, Or number two, that they had to throw it into traffic because Cam Newton had a bad O-line. I don't know how many plays on that highlight reel that I see Cam Newton get absolutely maimed um, as he was throwing the ball that Devon eventually came down with but anyway let me go back to what the Colts were saying about him this next soundbite is a guy called Kevin Patulo, and this is after Devon Funches goes out and they ask him what they're missing that he's went out listen to this um, and maybe we can take some stock and their word for it as opposed to what we believe now. I know it remains when Devin comes back, but what have you guys missed, or what is that element that a guy of his size can bring to your audience? I think the range, like you said it right there, the size and the range and the speed. I mean, that's there's not a lot of guys like that in the NFL that have that range, size, and speed that are, can play downfield and play underneath and play in the slot and kind of give you a, a little bit of everything and, and have a bigger target for Jacoby running through there. So that's something, you know. That we, we've missed, and uh, hopefully get him back soon. And he obviously had a big role for you week one, critical moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fourth down. down yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. he really did, and he took advantage of it. Was physical on the route, made the big play for us. And you know, you, you smile about it and think like, okay, we're gonna get that back, and when we do, hopefully he's ready to go. Yeah. So on that play, and I went back and looked at that play, um, and not to make too much of one play. Uh, but again, critical situation, fourth down, they went to him. He had basically no separation. He came back for the ball, got it, and then drove forward um, until I think he was pushed out of bounds or whatever. Because um, another criticism that I saw of him is, is that he catches the ball but can't really do that and after That's certainly not what I'm seeing from his highlights um, and from what other people are saying about him. What I see is an awful lot of effort with him. Is that he catches the ball and he drives forward as much as he can. It sort of leads you to believe that he catches the ball and just you know falls down. That doesn't happen either. This guy uh, is huge. He's massive. Like, to some points where he catches a touchdown, Cam Newton comes up to do the whole chest bump in the air thing, and he actually makes Cam Newton look small. What I've seen him do is his catch passes in traffic, and that's something that we really need. He does put his body on the line. Uh, He's super aggressive as well. So there's one of them that he literally snatches the ball out of the air. There's a guy, Matty Dubs, I think is the YouTube account, and of course, while you're on YouTube, uh, follow UK Packers. Uh, so, and subscribe and hit that bell. So Maddie Dubs has a video of his highlights and the way he snatches the ball out of the air. Now, everyone knows who listens to the podcast for a long time. I am the body language expert, especially when it comes to NFL players. Um, and he's just mean mugging all the time. But this guy's boxing out defenders. He's unbelievably physical. Um, he can test the catch in traffic. He doesn't give up on the play. Uh, his catch radius is, is astounding. Now, if it's any indication about why he was dropping balls... Now, again, there's anecdotal stuff out there. And I haven't seen the videos myself. um, And not to say that they're not there, obviously. But, you know, of lads who've, who've done their research and have said that, you know, he's inconsistent and he drops easy balls and all that kind of stuff. But some of these plays that he was making... I don't know whether he's one of these players that, you know, he'd go up and catch a ridiculous ball, but then he drops the easy stuff. That seems to be one of the criticisms, anyway. Um, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat all of this and say, look, oh, he's an amazing player. I don't know why. You know, if he signed for the money that he did, and I'll get into that now in a second, well, then obviously there has to be some flaws to be his game, right? Um, And they say he lumbers around and he's slow. But this guy, super aggressive. And one of the things that they said about him as well, and I think this was Frank uh, Reich at the time, and I'll try to find a the quote. They talk about his route running and that they say that he's, he's really good at his... Uh, routes and when you look at him he's a massive target and he's got a good second step and that's certainly what I've seen um, for the limited amount of tape that I've saw on him Uh, he has a good second step, he seems to fool defenders and then he can catch the ball as long, like Cam Newton was banging balls up into the air um, at an unbelievable height and this guy was, you know, jumping up and literally snatching the ball out of the air away from these defenders another thing that I've seen as well and I saw this on NFL Network when he was signed by the Colts was is people are talking about like matchup nightmares this guy is a matchup nightmare and if there's anybody who's going to exploit it which is what I hear or you know that you can set him up against a small defender if a small defender finds themselves on this guy it, like see ya you know as long as he doesn't drop the ball and have an issue with that and that's kind of the contradiction that will be very interesting to see how it plays out This guy is still very young, he's 25, he'll be 26 in May, so he's going to be 26 going into the season. You'd be led to believe that he's not going to make a place on the squad. Now, Gudekund sure as hell likes his big, tall, rangy wide receivers, and I don't know if that's going to work out. We need someone in the slot. Now, from what I've seen of this guy, if he's going to play as kind of a hybrid tight end, which he played tight end in college, so if he's going to sort of come in as some hybrid slot tight end wide receiver role, uh, well then he could be fantastic at it because he puts his body on the line he's aggressive at the point of contact um and he's able to come down with the ball with a ridiculous catch radius now you need to put the ball especially in the middle of the field out of the way of defenders it's the busiest place it's where the ball mostly gets picked off so if you have a guy like him who can come down with the ball at that point happy days basically what i'm saying is, is he's like a jimmy graham that can actually catch the ball right and that sounds like a bitchy comment or something against jimmy graham but the, like how many times did we see sort of a lack of effort or just a shrugging of the shoulders again going back to the body language um so that's important this guy could be an absolute um utility player now when you look at his, his stats and I've, I've delved in and every single article goes into 2017 uh, when he came down with his biggest numbers uh 63 passes 840 yards um, and then they say he followed it up with 44 receptions, 549 yards after getting that massive whopper deal with the Colts. But again, from reading articles, they put him at number three. I've heard some people even say, no, he's number four. He's behind Alan Lazard and MVS. And maybe he is. I don't know. But there's a bit of a contradiction in terms that if he's a veteran receiver, Aaron Rodgers will more than likely go to him because he will have trust there. If he runs good routes... Again, he'll find himself open or enough separation that an accurate quarterback like Aaron Rodgers can find. However, he can throw all of that away if he drops the ball or he turns the ball over or whatever. So that's the part that I'm interested in seeing and that will play out in practice more than likely. This guy seems to suffer from sort of a lack of confidence. He's wishy-washy. You know, he can be fantastic and a monster and a world beater in one game and he can kind of be absolutely anonymous in another. So... The thing about him is, though, he's meant to be the number three or number two or hybrid tight end on tight end packages, perhaps. You know, he's not supposed to be the go to guy. That might give him more freedom and the Packers more freedom, but certainly a guy six foot four, 220 odd pounds, you're going to have to pay attention to him. Now, all of this stuff about him being slow, he's six foot four, okay? He's not going to be a zippy little uh, Tyree Kill. He's going to look like he's lumbering around probably by nature anyway. Uh, But what I would say is is that he's well capable of putting his body on the line. He's well capable of coming down with catches uh, in coverage. You're able to exploit a bad matchup with him because you can literally throw the ball up to at least 20 feet high and he'll come down with it if he doesn't have a case of the dropsies. So this guy is a weapon, 225-pound weapon. So is he expected to get over a thousand yards? No. Is he capable of it? Who knows? So what I would say is give the guy a chance. Now, I put out a tweet from my personal account at Steve Diddy NFL and I said, wouldn't it be a terrible thing, something like this, wouldn't it be a terrible thing if Devin Funches actually had a Twitter and was a real person with real feelings? like oh 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 wait because people were slating this guy that he was a bum he was trash that the packers don't want to win a super bowl at all and everyone overreacts right he's not meant to be a number one wide receiver and that's what people are looking for here and i had that podcast and i released it and about you know do we need a number two and kind of proved that it's not really that important and in fact my point kind of was once you have a tight end in there and a good serviceable one. Well, then you know you can have an awful lot of purchase. We have Jay Sternberger back, and we have this guy to help out as well. You know, if he makes the squad, blah blah blah. So again, it's only going to get better. So I think we just hold our breath and see what happens. Um. And again, you can read into the narrative that this guy is is a bum. But going back and looking at the old footage and the old stuff that the Colts were saying about him, which should really ring true still, and um, that this guy could have tremendous upside. Now look at his contract. Uh, which is pretty ridiculous so 2.5 million this is for per tom pellicero uh 2.5 million deal uh 1 million signing bonus 1.2 million base salary 50k workout bonus and then he gets 15 and a half grand a little bit over that each game which works up into 250 grand so that's another um 3.75 million in incentives which makes his max contract 6.25 million so the Packers, again, he's not injury-prone, right? So we can put that crap to bed. Um, So this is a guy who, if he plays every game, the Packers put a premium on him playing with all of those incentives. He can earn more in incentives than he can base salary. That goes to show you that they're sort of giving him a carrot and saying that if you can go and do the business for us, well, then you get paid for doing so. The same contract that they have kind of with Kirksey, in the sense that they've all these incentives built in that, you know, and Kirksey is a guy who you know has picked up his injuries over the years. He's played very little games in two years. So the Packers are, are doing one of two things: one, they faith that they can keep these players healthy; two, that they think they can be playmakers if healthy; and three, they're willing to pay these guys if they can prove so. And also, there's are short term deals uh, that they can get out of. Um. So it's a very team healthy deal. But again, the upside for both of those players is pretty colossal. So if they do really well for us, uh, well, then we're great. Now, how does Aaron Rodgers feel about it? Now, he did, and again, he has a special place in my heart because he's not a dad, certainly not yet, but he does come out with some dad jokes. He said, when you put fun and chess in the same name, well, then, you know. So again, I have to applaud him for a bit of dad joke action. Um, but again, he says, look, any of the teams that are going out making big, massive splashes in free agency are because there are teams that need to do it, uh, where he says that he doesn't feel that they are a team that need to do it. Um, so it kind of goes to show you where his head is at. Now, does he have to say it? Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, he's a cerebral guy. He... Does a, he's a super veteran at this stage. He is the franchise. So he can come out and say whatever the hell he wants to say. um. And he's done that in the past where he'll come out and say. And again, he's well used to that. People will read into what he's saying. But he's saying something positive. He's happy about him coming in. And I personally am happy. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm happy about Devin Funches uh, being signed to the squad because he's a big bodied guy um, and uh, everything I've just said. Anyway, so I'm going to get on to the David Bakhtiari section of the podcast now. This is the same audio. Uh, with a little bit less of the flair that was on the video on youtube.com forward slash uk packers so over to me uh, and you'll, i allude to it because it was recorded yesterday and uh, yeah so i'll take that away so um, i guess that's it then so you know do the usual subscribe uh, and again if you like the podcast uh, share it with someone you know um, and let me know what they think about it and of course keep hitting me up at cddnfl the email info uk because uh, i do like hearing from you guys anyway gonna park it there over to the video section and i'll talk to you guys next week 19, 19, hello everybody and welcome to the uk packers youtube studio and thanks for coming uh, as you can see it's kind of decked out it's not decked out how i'd exactly want it and that's because heh, covid19 uh, there's nothing you can do i can't go out and get supplies but look i said i'd do a ten minute Tuesday. And this is it. Now, it's got a bit of a clickbaity um, title, I guess, the issue with David backtiari And I want to explore that a little bit uh, in this segment. Now, if you're listening to the audio, which is this mic here, uh, well, then you will probably hear it a bit more airy because it's more of a video studio. Go to uh, YouTube.com forward slash UK Packers, which you guys are on. And you can see me in the studio here with studio lights and all the shebang, right? Um so this is going to be a segment within the audio, whereas if you're on the actual video, this is it, right? Hi, hi, how are you? Um so let's talk about the issue with David Bacteria and what do I mean? Well look, um an awful lot about the draft this year is going to be just focused on we need inside linebacker, we need wide receiver. Uh, we need to focus on the defensive line, whereas you have to look ahead to who's going to be free agents next year. And that's going to be a problem. Right tackle, Brian Bulaga out the door. Rick Wagner in the door. He's seen as somewhat of a stopgap, right? So then you have David Bakhtiari, left tackle, arguably the most important position on the offensive line. Um, You know, some people will say, well, everyone should say it's the left tackle, right? The centre also very important. Um, this is not dogging anybody else of the offensive linemen who are watching this goddamn programme, okay? Um, so yeah, when it comes down to the most important position, it's left tackle. Now we have left tackle David Bakhtiari, uh, you know, one of the absolute best in the game. And I know the video is called the issue with David Bakhtiari. I'm getting there, okay. And then there's Corey Lindsley at center as well. So the issue that we're going to have is is that both of those players, our centre and our left tackle, are free agents as of next year. So you would imagine that in this draft this year, they're going to need to address the offensive line. And why is that? Well, if Bakhtiari is coming up uh, for grabs, Corey Lindsley is also up uh, as well. And then if Rick Wagner is at right tackle, is only going to be a stopgap. Well, then you have effectively three to the five players in your offensive line um who are unstable in some way and the contracts are unstable. Now is playing out the last year of a four year forty eight million dollar deal, which averages out at twelve million a year, which makes him the twelfth highest paid, when really this year is 14.7 million as a cap hit, and we'll get there soon. Added to that, David Bakhtiari, if re-signed again, will be 30 years of age going into the season next year and that's important a little bit later on in this video. He was the first rookie in his um, first year to come in at left tackle. He did that because Brian Balaga, don't forget, was at left tackle Um, injured i believe it was an acl moved across to the right tackle when he came back the year after but david bakhtiari started all 16 games of his rookie season and his second season in green bay so super durable that's gonna come up um a little bit later as well he's a two-time pro bowler Um, as i said super durable uh, only missing actually six games of his entire career which is pretty fantastic he's been on a constantly changing o-line uh, that are featured in the top of the league and first downs at one stage, would you believe? Overall yards, rush yards per game, uh, scoring offense, uh, points per game. So, you know, this guy has been at the helm protecting Aaron Rodgers uh, on the offensive line for a long time at a very high functioning level. He's usually up around, you know, the top five uh, on offensive linemen. Certainly, he's probably seen as the best left tackle in the league, although he's not paid that way yet. Uh, so that's gonna be important as well. And this guy, when you take him in the locker room as well. Now, bear in mind, this video is called the issue with David Bactiar. And David, if you're watching, I will get there soon, okay, L- listeners, viewers, the exact same. I'm Irish; it's what I do. I'll, you know, waffling about the place. Um, so you know, in the locker room, he's a he's a wonderful presence. Uh, you know, he's a leader. He's witty. Uh, the fan, he's a fan favorite. The fans love him. He got the team into pitch perfect. I mean, do I need to say any more? So he, you know, but that that's what I'm talking about. This guy is guys, a, a team player. He had, in 2017, he had the championship belt, which was great. That was for run blocking uh, in practice. And it was usually him against Mike Daniels in training camp. And the two of them would sort of go back and forth on it. So again, a sort of great guy to have around. And let's not forget the shenanigans that was last year when he was necking beers at the Bucks games uh so that was pretty fun too so look this is a great guy to have around unbelievable high level of play um and someone that you don't want to lose especially at his position you know the most important position on the offensive line so what's the issue then with david Bactiari? well because all that sounds good right the problem with him is that he might be a little bit too good right it sounds ridiculous but the thing is you know the the highest paid um left tackle in the league at the minute um plays for the Colts Anthony um let me get this right Castonzo uh, so he's getting paid 16 and a half million so David Bakhtiari would rightly command about 17 million or more especially as the salary cap kind of creeps up and Corey Lindsley 10 million so the problem with Bakhtiari is you know he's a top tier player uh they're very hard to come by especially at left tackle and to be playing it at such a high level for as long as he has which means that the Packers then have to look down the barrel of whether they pay him or not. Now, to a lot of people, it's a no-brainer. There's an article by Rob Domofsky on ESPN where he asks experts as to who they should keep. Because if you think about it, you have you know David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Corey Lindsley, um, all coming up for a new contract. So, Jamal Williams... So, you know, these experts are looking at it and they're saying, well, it's a no-brainer to bring back Tiari back. He can't get left tackles of his calibre. Um, and then Corey Lindsley is the centre, that sort of centre exchange. Now, with the contracts that these guys are going to command, it's pretty colossal. So I don't think it's a no-brainer. And the reason being is that the Packers have a history of parting ways and sometimes shockingly with offensive linemen. Now, albeit they're not... Left tackles. These were right guards and left guards. You only have to look back uh, as far as Josh Sitton. This guy went to the Pro Bowl three times with the Packers. Um, you know he was he was an outstanding player, uh, super durable as well. So from 08 to 2012, uh, in at right guard, and then he switched to left guard uh, from 2013 to 2016 uh, until he was cut in kind of a shock in 2016. Now there was ructions apparently. Um, he'd come out and spoke critically about the game plan and I believe Mike McCarthy turned around at the time and said well he should just focus on playing his position um, and also he wanted a contract and there was supposedly a bit of disgruntlement in the locker room so they decided to cut him at that stage uh, and what age were they? was he when they cut him? He was 29 so he was going on 29-30 so that seems to be the magic age here um, and why do I say that? It's because you only have to look as far as TJ Lang uh, right guard for the Packers Pro Bowl in 2017 you know, got quite emotional about that Pro Bowl as well um, and he was always sort of inextricably linked with Josh Sitton. The two of these guys sort of anchored the line as the veterans. There were, I believe, the year that they played together um, before Josh Sitton was cut, there were like four and five in the league in uh, offensive lineman play per pro football focus. Um, so, you know, TJ Lang goes to the Pro Bowl and then the next year he's cut. He uh, goes to Detroit, swaps the green and gold for the Detroit Blue and he plays there for a couple of years. So, Again, let's have a look. I mean, what age was he when he got cut? He was 29 going on 30. That's the exact same age as David Bakhtiari is going to be. Now, that's by all means not the be-all and end-all. The sort of modus operandi for the Packers, as we've seen under Gutekunst um, leadership has been, is, is the person's best level of play still ahead of them? And David Bakhtiari is extremely durable and playing at an exceptionally high level. Now, last year, even though it was a still a high level, it would have been seen as like a down year for him, even though it was amazing. Um, so they've got to look at that. And as well as that, the sort of culture in Green Bay at that time, uh, they had James Camp in there, uh, the offensive line coach. And it always felt like that they could give him, you know, uh, sort of flexible enough uh, offensive linemen who could play multiple positions along the line and he'd make world beaters of them. So I don't know how that has changed now since he left. Um, he went to the Cleveland Browns and I believe he signed now with the Chargers. So I don't know what the Packers' philosophy is now with him gone, if they still feel confident enough to do it, but they will be bolstered with Elton Jenkins and the performance that he put in in his rookie season in place of Lane Taylor. So I don't know if that's an indication that they believe that they can do it. The only real indicator throughout all of this is is that obviously if they restructure any of these contracts early, which will put all of this conversation to bed, uh, but also who they draft uh, and how high they draft them. We can't forget as well that David Bakhtiari is a fourth-round uh, player and came in and did exceptional. So I wouldn't take that if they take a player further down the draft that that's sort of indicative of you know not bringing in a replacement. So do they try bringing in a replacement centre, left tackle? Uh, did they try bringing in someone behind Rick Wagner? Um, it's hard to know we're gonna have to wait and find out but it's a reason and kind of a highlight why not to have a freak out if we get to the first second round and we start drafting old linemen instead and again there's always a knock-on impact in football it's never as clear cut as he's a fantastic player you have to sign him remember kenny clark is due uh, a contract as well and people are sort of saying he's definitely should be top of the list, especially because his anchor is a defensive line that's deficient, uh, will we say. Nice bit of alliteration for you. So um, that's something to ponder. So the only issue really with David Bactiari is, is maybe he's a little bit too good. Maybe he's too much of a presence in the locker room as well now if you want all the lowdown on funches uh which is fun to say well then you can go and check out the audio it's on itunes soundcloud and spotify and of course if you like this video and you like 10 minute tuesday um, i'd love to do more of them and just subscribe to the youtube channel that'd be great if you want to support us as well and you want a free banging t-shirt like the one on screen right now uh well then you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash uk packers and it keeps the studio lights on and everything else and look you donate for six months at the fiverr tier we take all that money and we buy you a t-shirt and post it out anywhere in the world and you can sport that uh impressive black polo and of course there's beanie hats on offer and a property of tea as well just hit the website ukpackers.co.uk hit the shop and you can see everything there and on top of that uh the raz is coming back and it's coming back pretty heavy there's some fantastic jerseys coming in there really really soon uh, i will be populating the podcast studio and the YouTube uh, section of the studio uh, with some signed merch and jerseys and stuff like that to sort of show you what your fan cave can look like. And the 1919 Raz is, is that you buy a ticket, there's a certain amount of slots, and then we run off a raffle and the winner takes off. But anyway, of course, I'm Irish. I've went over to 10 minutes. on 10-minute choose so I'm going to leave it there. If you want more, head across and get the audio. If not, come back next week for the next video. But until then, I've been at stddnfl